Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello, greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher, and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 248, week five, in review. What a what a week in the NFL. Started off with a very high-scoring Thursday night game. Uh, appeared to bury some Dynasty teams immediately after all the scoring that went on Thursday night, but then there were those killer performances on Sunday that could have actually led some teams back to victory. So definitely was a high-scoring week, uh, even though four teams were on a bye. So we had to deal with our first little battle of buys. Injuries and buys starting to pile up, making our rosters look a little bit different this time of the season. Although my teams didn't fare too well this week, uh, a lot of it comes down to Monday night. I'm recording this on Monday afternoon, so go Romeo Dobbs. You're the player I need the most, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I did enjoy the ride, even though my team struggled a little bit. Here are some of my thoughts on week five from a dynasty perspective, just overall thoughts. I'll walk through a couple waiver wires. There's one interesting one on the waiver wire for this week. And then um, talk about trades. There were five different trades that took place in my leagues this last week. And so we'll talk about grading those trades. So let's just start with some overall observations. I'll start with a Thursday night game. I'll call it a comeback that helped no one. Comeback that helped no one, almost no one. With three starting dynasty quarterbacks on bye weeks this week, uh, Sam Howell was started you know, by many managers this week, and he didn't disappoint. Uh, he and Justin Fields traded blows on Thursday night, back and forth and back and forth. The bad news for dynasty managers is that his 29-point fantasy night didn't help Terry McLaurin or Jahan Dotson. Uh, the players he ought to target the most, but he's just yet to do so. Logan Thomas and Curtis Samuel, they led the team in targets, and each of them caught the touchdown passes. They combined for 18 targets, the two of them, while Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson combined for 10 targets. And McLaurin and Dotson, they combined for 10 as well, five each. In a game when the Commanders set a record, an NFL record for 55 consecutive dropback passes, Dotson and McLaurin combined for less than 20% of the target share and 21% of the receiving yards. I was watching that game uh, with all my Dotson and uh Dotson and McLaurin shares just just dry, pulling my hair out. Like, why are you not targeting them? Howell, you know, he holds the ball for far too long, and then he just checks down the ball to his tight ends, his running backs too often. It's just his sixth career start, so I'm sure that he's going to improve. But for now, dynasty managers really have to temper their expectations uh, with these top receivers. I talked up Dotson. If you've been following me, you know I talked up Dotson all offseason. He is one of my most rostered players. But he's really disappointed me this season because of what Howell's doing. And I've kept him on most of my, you know, out of most of my starting lineups. Um, some I've started him, but I've also kept him out of a good handful too. I've continued to start McLaurin in the two leagues where I have McLaurin, but I expect, you know, basically 10 points a week from him. That's about it. Like the 90 scored in PPR leagues this, this last week. Hopefully the commanders will use this long week to study film and help Howell target his wide receivers more. My goodness. We deserve better from uh, receivers that are as good as Dotson and McLaurin are. We're just not getting it right now. Next observation, I like to do this once a week, if I remember to, just talk about a rookie watch. Uh, I like to talk about one rookie that caught my eye this Sunday and this week. It was Josh Downs. Uh, he entered, entered uh, earned a starting role 
uh, with the Colts immediately after training camp. And I loved him as a prospect, but if you have followed me, you know that I was concerned about him landing with Indianapolis because of the inaccuracy of Anthony Richardson uh, as his quarterback. But when Richardson has been, has been playing this season, he, he surprised me. He has been feeding him the ball. Though Gardner Minshew, who's you know played three games this season when Richardson's been hurt, including this last week, he's even targeted him more. And Downs had the best game of his young career on Sunday with six catches for 97 yards, including several catches that were key third-down conversions when the team was looking for him as they made their comeback. Uh, Downs, you know, really going to be looked at as their playmaker, which is pretty exciting. Uh, he's a little bit bigger than Tank Dell, and he wins in similar ways. He's a savvy route runner, uh, great after the catch, too. He's not quite reliable to be, you know, inserted into starting lineups in Dynasty Leagues, unless they're really, really deep leagues. But he's moving closer to that edge, I think, especially in PPR leagues. His performance, I think, is really going to improve over the next few weeks when Minchie's quarterback because he's going to be, uh, you know, they're going to pass a little bit more with him in there while Richardson recovers from his joint injury. Look for, uh, look for Josh Downs to make a little hay in these next few weeks, especially. Next observation I'd like to do this to is I talk about a rookie. Let's talk about old man strength. Who is the old man strength players this week? I was impressed this week by the production and play of two old men, Adam Thielen and DeAndre Hopkins. Now, Thielen continued to compile catches while the Panthers were in catch-up mode. They do that every week because they always play from behind, and he's Bryce Young's favorite target. The 33-year-old is fourth in the league in receptions, fourth. And he's 11th in the league in total yards, and he caught that garbage time uh, touchdown at the end of the game, too. Unbelievable to believe that he's still a top 12 scoring wide receiver in fantasy, but he is. At 31 years old, Hopkins, on the other hand, he's battled some nagging injuries this season, but he's starting to ramp up, and he had his best game of the season, looking like the old dominant self. Had 140 yards on eight catches on Sundays. He's one of the most fun players to watch, too, when he throws his body around, his you know, long-flowing dreads <laughs> sticking out of his helmet. Uh, Hopkins has definitely used more downfield than Thielen, so he's not going to have as many catches as Thielen. But he trails Thielen only four spots in total yards, so he's racking up the yards, ranking 15th in the NFL in yards. I think that these two old men are going to be two of the top traded uh, uh, players for in contending teams. These are two that contending teams are going to need to go after Hopkins and Thielen. More on that in a bit when I talk about trades that took place. Next thing I'll call it, uh, just trying to make a little bit of a pun here, but I'll call Honkin for Monken. <clears throat> this offseason was filled with optimism regarding Todd Monken who would revolutionize the Ravens' offense, making Lamar Jackson a more productive passer. Well, the Ravens signed Odell Beckham Jr. They drafted Zay Flowers to give Lamar Jackson all that he needed to thrive under Munkin. I believe the hype. I wrote about it. I podcasted about it myself. But for five, five weeks now, we've had evidence. And I think that we were wrong to be honking about Munkin. <laughs> wrong to be honking about Munkin. Things could change. But as of Sunday night, the Ravens ranked 24th in passing yards and 30th in receiving touchdowns. They've only had four touchdown passes. Monken and Jackson can't take the blame for all of it this week, particularly this week, while the Ravens dropped seven passes, the most in an NFL game since 2017, including two deep balls that would have been big plays, and then two drop passes in the end zone. Still, this offense is not humming like we were told that it would. Once again, most of Janice Jackson's uh, fantasy production is coming on the ground, where he has rushing touchdowns for the same amount as he does have passing. Uh, Dynasty managers will gladly take that, so it's not really that big of an issue for him. But what we wanted from Monken was we thought he was going to make the passing game great and the Ravens receivers startable in fantasy. But right now, it looks like it's all the same as it ever was. Everyone's a risky start, same as it ever was. Start Jackson, start Mark Andrews, 
all over again. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm not honking for honking like I was uh, months ago. So we'll see if they can turn it around. But this is not the offense that we were told would, would take place. Next comment will be, I'll say welcome back. Welcome back, Brees Hall. Okay, his official welcome back game. And what a game it was. Coach uh, Sala said this week that they were going to release him from any specific snap count this game. And usually coaches lie, but he wasn't lying. Hall got 22 carries and three catches. That's doubling the number of touches that he had in each of the previous four games. He was averaging around 10 or 12 touches a game. Got 25 in this one. It was wild. It was only, it was only on 34 snaps, so he didn't. He only played 52% of the snaps. But when he was in there, he was getting the ball 25 times out of 34. He was the offensive focal point, and when he is, he led the Jets to a win in Week 1. Uh, he was chased down on a breakaway run, if you remember that, in Week 1. But in Week 4... Three weeks later, he could not be caught. He was just, or week five rather, four weeks later, he couldn't be caught. He took a 71 or 72 yard uh, touchdown to the house. He's back. And the Jets, you, you know, they can't look back now. They've got to keep feeding him like this. Last week, I moved um, Hall up to sixth in my running back rankings. This week, now that I've seen this, I'm going to move him up even more. I'm moving him up to number three. Right behind this guy, the other guy we're welcoming back, Jonathan Taylor, who surprisingly signed his new contract with the Colts last week ending his, what you might call, a hold-in. While he was on a snap count, like Hall was to begin the season, that was pretty frustrating. His breakout day is coming. You know it is. If Zach Moss can run for 165 yards and two touchdowns behind the Colts' improved offensive line, I cannot wait to see what Taylor's going to do. I've patiently kept Taylor number two in my running back rankings, right behind B. John Robinson. His new contract and the fact that Zach Moss has produced so much behind this offensive line already make me happy to keep him there at number two with... Brees Hall right behind him. I'm making that change in my rankings today. Next, I'll call this uh, unstartable. Until Saquon Barkley returns from his injury, maybe not even then, I can't think of a single player on the Giants or the Patriots that I want to trust in my starting lineups, even Ramondre Stevenson. Their offenses are just too pathetic. The Giants have not scored an offensive touchdown in the first half of a game this season. It's unbelievable. The Giants are dead last in the NFL in yards per game with 255 and second to last in average points per game at 12.4, only the Patriots are worth averaging 11 points per game, and they're 26th in yards per game with 287 yards per game. The Giants' offensive line is the worst in the league. They're giving up six sacks per game. Brian Dayball's coaching can't overcome that, and the Patriots' offense was supposed to get a lot better too this year with Bill O'Brien taking over as the offensive coordinator, but they've been terrible, getting shut out 34 to nothing. At a, on a home game on Sunday. Stevenson is averaging 2.8 yards per carry. Last year, he averaged 5 yards per carry. What a drop. Something's very wrong with their offense. It's not like there's you know a lot of dynasty value on the Giants or the, uh, the Patriots rosters right now, but just speak, speak, speaking uh, specifically just about fantasy, there's almost every NFL team has players that you're going to start in your fantasy lineups. But don't I don't think you can with these two. No one's worth starting when you average 11 and 12 offensive points per game. These two teams are terrible. Take everyone out. You can't sit Barkley when he comes back, but man, with that offensive line, it's going to be pretty bad. Pretty, pretty bad. Last thing before we get to waiver wire, I'll call this. I should have listened. <clears throat> Just before my first rookie draft um, this last you know, this last spring, I listened to Football Guys podcast where Cecil Lammy, a Broncos reporter, said that he expected Jalil, Jalil McLaughlin to be a big part of the offense and that he would break out immediately. I heard him say it, and I just didn't even know who McLaughlin was. He wasn't in my rookie rankings at that time, and I did not listen. 
I did not draft McLaughlin in any rookie drafts, and now I regret not taking Lammy's advice. I did not listen. I didn't realize it then, but he was the college football's all-time leading rusher with 8,166 yards out of Youngstown State. He was undrafted, but Coach Payton sought him out, added him to the team, and now he did just what Lammy said. He used him immediately. Uh, this guy has the juice, too, man. If you're watching, uh, watching him get a carry, particularly after watching Samaje Piran get a carry, and you see that he has another gear compared to Piran. His touches have increased every game this season, and it's not just because Javante Williams missed a game. Uh, he deserves more touches than I think he's going to get him. Uh, he's a player that I, you know, have yet to add. I had yet to add to my dynasty rankings until now, but I just added him today, and I've moved him all the way up to ranking number 42 in the running backs. If Tank Dell and Josh Downs can prove that smaller wide receivers can produce in the NFL, maybe it's a Devon Achan and McLaughlin. Maybe that's they're the ones that are going to do the same thing for the running backs. Uh, McLaughlin scored on an 18-yard touchdown and a 22-yard touchdown each of the last two weeks, but his 76-yard uh, touchdown run like A-Chain had, that's coming soon. He's got that much speed, and I regret missing out on both of these speedsters like I talked about last week. A-Chain's another guy. A-Chain's another guy that I missed out on. All right, let's talk some waiver wire. Hope you get ahead of your league mates. There's really just one outstanding player to get, yes, as if outstanding means really, really outstanding. We're talking about 300-man roster leagues in the leagues that I'm in. And so there's not a lot out there, but every now and then a running back pops up that's going to be a starter, and that makes it very valuable. I'm talking about Amari DiMercato. DiMercato is the latest starting running back to be found on the waiver wire, even in dynasty leagues. That's if James Conner injury lingers. When Conner went out, he got 100% of the running back touches after Conner left the game. Rondell Moore, as a receiver, was the only other player to touch the ball. He did line up in the backfield and take some carries as a receiver. But uh, as a pure running back, you know, positional running back, uh, DiMercato got all of them. I'm certain that the Cardinals are going to bring up Keontae Ingram or Corey Kamlint. They're going to add someone to the team. But we already know, based on the, their roster last week, that they scratched both of those guys in favor of DiMercato. So he's going to get the bulk of the work until James returns. He looked pretty good, too, on his touchdown run. He didn't look terrible. He averaged 4.5 4, 4 yards per carry in the game. He's easily the top player that I'd target on waivers this week. It's going to be fun to see how much people spend on him in fab. Next player worth adding would be Gardner Minshew. Of course, Minshew's rostered in all Superflex leagues, but he's available in most one-quarterback leagues. Anthony Richardson, he looks like he is going to miss several weeks with a shoulder injury, making Minshew a startable quarterback during the upcoming weeks when there's you know lots of quarterbacks going to be on bye weeks. He's already played in two games this season, so he's, this, he's got the third one uh, that he is, uh, start, got to play in this last week, so he's played three times already, just meaning that the rust is already off. He led the Colts to wins in each of those three games too, which is pretty wild, um, as he did this last Sunday. Offense is going to be more pass-oriented with Minshew compared to Richardson, so he's going to have chances to produce in fantasy lineups, uh, not on the ground like Richardson does, but he's a player that I really consider adding in a few leagues this week. And then finally, only other player I'd think about would be Noah Gray. Uh, Travis Kelsey made a very surprising return to the field after going to the locker room with a foot or ankle injury. So even so, sometimes that happens where you get that injury, you got enough adrenaline going to go out there and finish a game, but things swell up. If that's the case, uh, he's going to miss, he could possibly miss a week or two after he gets evaluated this week. And believe it or not, Noah Gray, I was surprised to see this, that he's actually outsnapped Kelsey this year uh, since they're often on the field at the same time. Uh, he just could be way more involved in the passing game if Kelsey misses time. I'm not going to make bids on Gray. 
uh, unless I know for sure that Kelsey's going to miss time. But I at least wanted to get him out there, get get it in your ears so you can know that and consider it for yourself, particularly maybe in tight end premium leagues. All right, to close out the podcast, let's talk about five trades. People are starting to trade in my leagues. These are all real trades. The advantage that I give on these podcasts is these aren't just hypotheticals. These are actual real trades that happened between diehard dynasty managers, dynasty freaks that uh, care about their teams. And so this gives you a little little taste of the value that people have. And I'm also able then to provide context for what each team was trying to do, at least what I presume. All right. First trade was one I made. Uh, two trades, actually. I'm going to talk about them both at once. I traded Evan Ingram for a second-round pick, for 2024 second-round pick. And then I also traded Adam Thielen for a 2024 second-round pick. So in a league where I've gone full rebuild mode, I posted on our group me, um, group me app that uh, Ingram and Thielen were available for any second-round pick. Yeah, the- Ingram is the seventh-highest scoring tight end uh, at the time. Thielen was the 11th-highest scoring wide receiver at the time. And I said, hey, come get them. They're both available. Within 30 minutes, I made both of those trades and got two second-round picks. I knew that I couldn't get a first-round pick for these guys. I wish that I could. So I did the best I could with a few second-round picks just to ensure that I get you know, the most productive players off my roster, too, so that I can have a better chance of losing the rest of the season. I, sh- I shaved 25 points per week off my starting lineup uh, by getting rid of these guys. For contending teams, though, Phelan and Ingram are great additions. And they have uh, two flex spots in this league. It's a 12-team league, so both are really reliable starters for the remainder of the season. And this league, where I, this is the same league last week, I talked about how I traded Josh Allen for C.J. Stroud in a first-round pick. So that means I now have two first-round picks, three second-round picks as I try to start my rebuild. Alvin Kamara is my final piece to move. I've had some pretty fair offers to him so far, but I'm holding out to see if I can get a little bit more for him as I begin my long rebuilding process. Next trade uh, was another one that was uh, that I offered and made was Mark Andrews traded straight up for a 2024 first round pick. So in a different league, another manager is rebuilding and I'm the contender. And so he put Andrews on the trading block. I offered him a first round pick as an initial offer. Uh, if he if he countered, I was willing to add a young player or do something else, but he just accepted it right away. The tight end position is terrible. <laughs> I uh, so I wanted a top tier tight end to kind of bolster my team. Frustrated with George Kittle as my starter at the end of last season, or at the, right, right before the season started. Uh, Kittle, I just don't think he's just so up and down. And of course, this week he goes off, and that's one of his up weeks, but you've seen all the other weeks have been down weeks. I traded him uh, for David Njoku and Tank Dell, or a player that uh, third round pick, which turned into Tank Dell. So I'm still pretty pleased with that trade. But I thought Njoku was going to get a lot more of the targets than he is. And so I was really trying to scramble here to get a better tight end. Uh, Mark Andrews, hopefully, is going to do that for me. We'll see. Didn't do that great this week, but pretty consistent as far as uh, the consistency level that I really want for a tight end. I was willing to give up a first-round pick for Mark Andrews in a league where I'm among the top three teams in the league. Another trade that the same manager made as he was beginning his rebuild, he traded away Aaron Jones and Tyler Lockett for a 2024 first-round pick. Jones and Lockett for a first-round pick. So the same manager that sold me Andrews for a first-round pick gave up Jones and Lockett for another first-round pick. If I thought that Andrews deserved maybe an additional piece added to get that deal done, but I didn't have to give it, he definitely should have got more uh, in this deal, in my opinion. The manager's you know, trying to rebuild. Um, it was just I think he's kind of at the point right now where he just was really kind of willing to punt on everything right now. Jones and Lockett are going to make that contending team much tougher in the playoffs now. 
uh, the five teams. There are five teams in this league that are three and one. I think that there's three that are really the top three teams, including mine. But now one of those other teams that's three and one just added Lockett and Jones. So he's trying to catch up with us, and uh, it was a pretty good move to do so. And I think, meanwhile, this one under this rebuilding, I think now he has uh, five first round picks, uh, four in 2024, and I think he's got two now in 2025. So way to go for starting the rebuild. He's blowing it all up, that's for sure. This next trade is pretty wild. Uh, Devon Achan was traded for Joe Mixon and Aaron Jones. Joe Mixon and Aaron Jones for Achan. Uh, I was waiting to see the, the first trade for Achan after his ridiculous production the last two weeks. I was just like, okay, let's see what he's going to go for. I want to see what happens with this. But I did not expect this kind of a two-for-one. In this league, things have gone a little bit haywire. A team that made several trades during the offseason to become a top contender is actually, just because of bad luck, has ended up 1-3. And, three. and uh, he's kind of a middle-of-the-pack team now that's very weak at running back. Um, there's, a, surprisingly to me, uh, the team that was weak at running back had two starting running backs uh, when healthy that could help him. So here, here's a 3-1 team that just added two starters in Mixon and Jones when healthy, speaking of Jones. And Mixon, of course, has been a disappointment too. So I see why the other managers should be you know, ready to re rebuild and get younger or to get rid of them. But two for one was pretty surprising. But he did it again this week with another giant touchdown. So I'm not sure. We're going to see. I'm unsure whether the one and three team right now thinks that he's rebuilding and he just wanted A-Chain to rebuild or if he added him just to compete for this year. Um, it looks like right now he's going to help him win this week. A-Chain is one of the most divisive players in Dynasty Leagues right now. Uh, people believe in him or they don't. It's going to be really fun to see how he plays the next few weeks and see if he can keep this insane 10 yard per carry and 17% touchdown per touch rate going. Uh, that's what he had going into Sunday. And now I'm going to have to go back and look at that, but I'm pretty sure it's even gotten higher now that he scored yet again. I don't think that he can keep that pace, but he's sure worth a bet. Some managers are willing right now uh, to do it. Others are willing to sell high. We're going to see what happens. I want to keep monitoring HN trades. And finally, one last trade in the league here was Tajay Spears was traded for Jake Ferguson. Uh, the team that traded for Ferguson needed help at tight end. And with uh, he only had Dalton Schultz and Irv Smith on his roster. And the team that traded for Spears is the same team that traded for Achan. So maybe he's just aiming to get younger at running back. Adding a few rookies is a good way to go. Ferguson has a starting role locked down. Um, <clears throat> has, the, has that role locked down. And Spears is splitting time with Derrick Henry. Um, about almost exactly 50-50. So Ferguson's definitely going to help this team that needs the points this year. Spears is going to be a guy that you would really, really be hard to trust until or if Henry gets injured. But from a dynasty perspective, it's a pretty fair trade, I think. I prefer the Spears side of the trade because I think he's uh, got more long-term upside. He's kind of got a special talent where Ferguson, I think, is just an average athlete that's in a good system. So fair trade. I think I like the Spears side. Anyway, that gives you an idea of what other dynasty freaks are thinking about players and making these trades. Hopefully each week we'll get to report on more and more. I know I'm going to sit down and make some offers this week because that's what dynasty freaks do. All right, that's a wrap this week. My freaky friends, thanks so much for listening. Make the two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com, dynastyfreaks with two E's at gmail.com. Much better on email than any other social media platform, so I'd love for you to, to contact me that way. I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast and Apple Podcasts. That would mean a whole lot to me. Give me all the stars. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. 
We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.